Hey there, dog people of the internet. It's me, Sarah Strumming of The Cognitive Canine, and this is called Dog Radio, a podcast about all things dog sports and dog training. Join me as I explore my cases and considerations regarding the behavior of the dogs we live and play with. I hope you enjoy it. knows that my dogs are never short on outfits. I buy leashes and collars like some people buy shoes and handbags. And my favorite collar is Iggy's custom-made Paco collar. Paco collars are 100% handmade from scratch by an amazing staff of artists, and the quality really is unparalleled. My dogs can't have collars that don't withstand wear and tear. They hike, they swim, they roll on dead stuff. These collars are guaranteed to last a lifetime, and they're designed to be worn by active dogs like mine. Iggy's collar is perfect for her. It's got purple stones, stars, and a beautiful design. There are literally thousands of design options to choose from, but don't worry. The staff at Paco loves helping customers pick out the best collar for their pets. That's exactly what they did when I went to their booth with Iggy. And they make stuff for humans too, so get over to pacocollars.com and buy the best collar you've ever had, and don't forget to enter promo code COGDOG for free shipping. Okay, dog people of the internet, I'm coming at you from my decompression walk today. It's a daily ritual. I think you guys know that. I talk about it all the time. Um, But it's really recently become very clear to me how few people are actually taking on this practice um, and taking it as seriously as I wish that everybody would. Um... So I'm just going to talk about some of the benefits that I see. And to define decompression walk, it is a walk where dog is allowed freedom of movement in nature. So they're off leash or maybe they're on a long line and a harness. If they are on a long line, they need to be on a non-restrictive harness. Um... And they really need to understand how to walk on the long line without, you know, clotheslining themselves or you or somebody else. Um, Because that is a really important piece of the walk. And the reason that that's so important is because I just have not observed the same kinds of behavior changes when I do leash walks. And in fact, with one of my dogs, um, I used to live in a more urban place and he had negative behavior changes if I took him on urban kind of short leash walks um, with my other dogs. So I kept those walks kind of for me, for my exercise. Um, and I would take Edgy and maybe take Stig, but Felix wound up staying home from those walks and he's a dog that really benefits from a lot of exercise so I think that's surprising sometimes to people to hear that those walks had a negative effect on his behavior but they really did and so we just stopped doing them with him and I now really diligently get him out every day for an off-leash walk somewhere and I'm really lucky to have a couple of spots that I go to for that. Are they 100% safe? Of course not. 
Are they 100% legal? I refuse to answer that question. <laughs> um, but generally speaking, I'm happy with them because we tend to stay pretty remote, pretty much by ourselves. Um, and that's really important for everybody on the walk. So with Felix in particular, speaking of Felix, <laughs> sometimes I need to uh, call him on a walk <laughs> because he has found himself in a lake. Yes, you were in the lake. Good boy. Here's your cookie. Good boy. Okay, go. Um, I try not to call my dogs a lot, by the way. I try to pretty much just let them be dogs on the walk, but sometimes you have to recall them. And so it's nice <laughs> if they do come when you need them to. And I always pay them for that. I never stop reinforcing recalls. Um, that's never a thing for us. So what do I see with this behavior change? I think what's more important is what I see when I skip the walk. So when I skip the walk, um, all of my dogs have increased of what I would call anxiety behaviors, meaning um, destructiveness. So Iggy will break into the cabinet and eat things. And Felix likes to shred paper. It's fine for him to shred paper and I allow him to shred paper. And in fact, I give him my junk mail to shred. But an increase in the need to do those kinds of behaviors tells me that they're missing something um, in their lives. Come on, go on. Just found something to sniff and roll on. Um, and so when I do have the walks, it's easier for my dogs to rest in the evening and they all get along much better. I have five dogs, you guys. And so my house is not without conflict, but generally speaking, they do get along pretty well. Um, when they're all exercised appropriately, they get along a hell of a lot better. So kind of like with a group of little kids, if they are you know, tired, cranky, hungry, basically not having their needs met, they're much more likely to fight with each other. It's the same with our dogs, or that's what I observe to be true anyway. So I try to get them out every day for these walks. And what I hear from people who take this on as a, as a daily ritual, so as a practice, not just as a when I have time or you know, when I see a nice spot um, or when I'm thinking about it, but as a daily non-negotiable practice is two things. Number one, a decrease in overall anxiety-related behaviors, a decrease in just problematic behaviors in general um, in their dogs. And then the other really cool thing that I think people don't expect, but that 100% of the people report, is that they also feel a decrease in anxiety themselves and it's very relaxing to them and they almost get addicted to it. I certainly have. Um, it's a really important thing for me and my mental health that I get out and walk the dogs every single day. And so making this a non-negotiable practice makes it something that you will work around any convenience issues to get done. Um, anybody who has stayed with me knows that while I do have a couple of spots that I've scoped out 
they're not convenient for me to get to. Um, we're talking 45 minutes round trip in the car at the very least to go on a walk. And that's really, that's at my quickest, uh, closest place. So that's kind of my worst case scenario spot that I do wind up at at least half the time because I do work full time. But understand that I just don't look at the walk as something that gets to be cut from my day. Um, if my schedule is feeling insane, the walk is not what gets cut. What can get cut? If I'm being honest, agility training gets cut a lot of the time. Um, I see it as something that is good for me and my dogs in the long term, but not something that is vital for their short term. And so I will cut agility training um, if something has to get cut. But I'm more likely, you guys, to delegate some of my work or, you know, delegate some of my chores than I am to cut these walks. Um, and I'm definitely more likely to delegate, or sorry, to cut training than I am to cut the walk. And people would disagree. They would say, oh no, my dog needs that daily agility practice or else my dog's just too crazy. Um, I would argue that it's very likely that your dog would be less crazy with less agility practice. Um, I know that that's true for Felix. He loves doing agility, but understand that putting the dog in that really super adrenalized state all the time without a chance to kind of undo all of that adrenaline, which is what I believe the decompression walk does, isn't necessarily healthy. So if most of their exercise is high adrenaline stuff, uh, like agility training, or like when I showed up at this park today, I waited for several people to finish playing Chuck It with their Labradors um, before I got my dogs out because, you know, I didn't want to interfere with that or be interfered with. So, you know, Chuck It in the park or agility, that's super high adrenaline, high intensity exercise. And while that's not a bad thing either, I would argue it's not the best thing to be your go-to as far as exercise is concerned for your dogs. So just a quick podcast today to talk about decompression walks. Go ahead and have a discussion about this on the Facebook page if you're so inclined. The Facebook page is cog-dog radio. You can just search for that on Facebook and we'll see you over there. Thanks for listening to Cog Dog Radio. If you have questions or suggestions, shoot them over to cogdogradio at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to like the Cog Dog Radio Facebook page, and until next time, happy training!